How are you guys this morning? Great. Awake? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Uh, glad to have you guys here. Uh, did anyone have a hard time getting back into the swing of things? Yeah. 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 It was. It was a fun week, right? You know, every, everyone was excited to be there when I was subbing the one day because you know, I was like, "Yeah, sub." <laughs> That's hard. It's hard coming back into the swing of things after the holidays, right? Yeah, I, I never looked forward to it, to it as a kid. I, I I still don't look forward to it. You know, it's it's hard to dive back into a subject and dive back into social life. You know, a lot of people usually look forward to that. Hey, I can I can go hang out with my friends and and everything. But adjusting, you know, adjusting back into a subject and uh, to uh, relearn things in school, to relearn things in a trade, um, you know, re review seems to help us, right? You know, it's uh, jumping back onto a bicycle. Hey, where, you know, where are all the brakes? Where's the pedals, right? You know, you kind of just review it. Well, we get to do that today um, because right before the holidays, we stopped in Philippians 3, right? We ended Philippians 3. Well, today we get to jump back into Philippians 4. And uh, we'll get to review uh, those three chapters and just uh, take some time seeing what, what stands out in those and uh, asking, you know, what has Paul been talking about? What has gone on throughout it, uh, throughout this letter? And then really the other question is, what is the church called out to? And how do we, how do we go forward in the book of Philippians? Uh, let's, let's start off with a word of prayer. Uh, Father God, we, we thank you uh, for today. Thank you for a day that we can come and uh, sing to you and worship you, uh, that you, know, you give us a joy that can't be taken away. You know, it, you know happiness comes and goes, but joy in, in Jesus stays because you, your promises are everlasting, Lord. Help us in, in life work, work out those promises and to, to live in light of those truths. Uh, thank you, Lord, for the book of Philippians. Uh, as we jump back into it, help us uh, recall and remember uh, different things throughout the book. Uh, help us go forward in Philippians chapter 4 as we, we study and learn from your word, Lord. Uh, uh, just uh, pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. But as we uh, turn to the book of Philippians together, Go the right way, and we'll get there. <laughs> uh, in uh, you know, Philippians chapter one, we we really see you know what what has been going on. We we see that Paul writes this letter of joy from from the most unlikely place, prison. You know, it's a letter full of joy. You know, because even though the hardships that are going on, the imprisonment and, and trials and, you know, Paul's dealing with the full weight of the Roman government, looking at him, Paul sees God's message of love going forward towards all of humanity. And in chapter one, Paul tells the Philippians, you know, his, his desire, uh, his desire is to go and to be with Christ, but he finds it more necessary to stay, to encourage, to equip, and entreat the uh, church community to go forward. And at the end of that chapter, of chapter 1, he actually 
tells the, the truth of the fact that all of this is going on. All of what we saw in the church plan of Philippi, all of what you see in my imprisonment, all of these hardships are all part of the same conflict. All of this conflict. Now as Paul comes into chapter 2 of Philippians, uh, he tells the church how they are to go forward in that, in the light of everything going on. Because of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. You know, he tells the Philippian church to live the life they are called out to. To walk in it. In holding fast to the word of life. Uh, Paul sets before them uh, Timothy and Epaphroditus. Uh, he sets them before the community saying, you know, these aren't, this isn't some special calling. But it is a calling for all people to walk this way. Yeah, as you come into uh, Philippians chapter 3, uh, you see that, you know, the, Paul tells the church who to rest in for their righteousness. You know, not in, not in themselves, not in religious works, but in Christ alone. You know, and then Paul tells the community to, to press onward in those truths to go forward because we live in a life of already not yet you know we grow into maturity until we see Jesus and as chapter 3 closed out Paul calls the church to walk as citizens of heaven and to wait upon and rest in the truth that Jesus will, in fact, subject all things to himself. So as, as we come into Philippians chapter 4, we see that Paul has, has built towards this appeal found here. In and throughout the letter, he's, he's built towards it. And let's uh, read the first uh, verse in Philippians 4. He says, Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, crown stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Now, as as a, a chapter starts uh, with a therefore, it brings us to the, the question of, so now, now that you have all of this information, now that you have heard who God is and what God has done or is doing, we, we see what he has provided through his son. We, have, we, we see what Jesus the Messiah has done. Now, because of these reasons, because of all those things, we go forward. We live differently. Because we have been not just informed, but also transformed by God's actions in our lives and his words in our hearts as we study them, as we understand them, and as we apply them throughout life. You know, the, the studying of the Bible isn't to just have all this information, taking in all this information. You know, it's, it's not about learning more than the next person. It's about being transformed by the, bleh, excuse me, by the very word of God and living it out, being a living sacrifice. 
You know, Paul writes to brothers, he says. You know, we see that Paul writes this letter to a church community in Philippi. And to them, they're not just, you know, friends or acquaintances. They're, they're not people for more of a social networking. I got more friends on Facebook. Woo! You know, like, you know it's, it's more than that. It's a community full of brothers and sisters. It's a community full of family. Family bought and purchased by the blood of Christ. Uh, please turn with me to First uh, John, First uh, John chapter three. First uh, John chapter three, we see here that believers in Christ are children of God. John says this in the first two verses of chapter 3. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And we together, the church as a whole, are the family of God. We are his children in Christ. We are the offspring of the promise, as it states in Romans 9, 8. And we are not of this world. And as a family, we look forward to things not of this world we look forward to the coming of Christ for when we see him we will be like him you know it's such an amazing promise for those that rest in Christ that the promised one will come and make all things new all we have to do is is rest in that truth rest in him and share that truth and tell others of the promised truths and the promised one that he will make all things new. And so Paul is, is writing to family, you know, and it's a family that shares the great blessings of God, of the promises of God. It's a family called out by God and to, called out to God to the newness of life in Christ. You know, it's a it's a family called out to deny itself, to pick up its cross and follow Jesus and to live a life for Christ together. You know, as, as Paul brought up family, you know, start thinking about family. And you know, as, as families, we, we see each other grow up, right? We see each other's uh, faults and, uh, you know, fights, you know, and, and we... You know, we grow up together, we fight because someone has eaten the last of our favorite cereal. You know, we, we uh, argue amongst each other, but yet we still want the best for each other. We still want what's best. You know, Paul says to the church in Philippi, I love and long for you because families are, are bonded together. And this family, the, the church family, is, is bound together by the very blood of Jesus. You know, families of the world are, 
are, are built through childbearing, child rearing, uh, adoption. You know, they come together through their shared experiences, their dreams. You know, they're formed over fights or board games. And, uh, you know, they'll have missions or goals. You know, this family or that family wants to do this or that. You know, families of the world are, are broken. You know, even the best aren't, aren't perfect. And they all deal with sin. But here is an aspect of family that, that Paul talks about, of home, of belonging. You know, Paul says he loves and longs for the Philippians, for the Philippian church, because they have stood with him through thick and thin. You know, Philippi was on the same mission as Paul. They, you know, were on the same page. So he wanted to be with the community of believers there. You know, this sense of belonging and love and, and, and longing, you know, Paul talks about here, do, do we have that for the church? You know, or, or is the church a, a duty or a, oh man, I, I gotta go, you know? Or is it a, I get to go. I get to fellowship. I get to learn about God. You know, as, as we go on in life, do we form that? Do we form that in life? You know, that church is not about me or you or us, but it's about being the family of God and coming together and giving our Father in heaven glory, praise, and honor. You know, through our lives together, through our being together. You know, as the whole of the church culture, you, you, you look out there at, at the church culture, it's, it's all about entertainment. It's all about individuals. It's all about what, you know, what programs or, or what things can we do to attract you know, uh, or entertain people. It's the drive. But all along, it should be about belonging, loving and, and longing for each other and being on mission together for the Messiah. So that in whatever we eat or drink, we can give glory to God. So in, in all that we do, we can be about building disciples and teaching the scriptures. And that as a body, we can be witnesses of Jesus to the surrounding world. You know, all of, all of this, we are to be going forward together. You know, Paul speaks to the Philippians and says that they are his joy and crown. You know, as, as his family, you know, as believers in Philippi, he, he writes to them this, you are my joy. You know, because as, as the very church planter, as, you know, their first pastor and as a family member, he, he loves the fact that they have grown they have grown together. You know, as a, as a teacher or a pastor, you, you love seeing the light bulb click on as, you know, the context or the text comes to light for someone. You know, as a community comes closer to the, the very one you're pointing them to, not yourself, but Jesus. So Paul is, is grateful. He's overjoyed that the church stands with him, supports him in his imprisonment and also with the fact of the gospel going forward. You know, they are about the Lord's will and way being done in their lives, you know, in their community and the world around them. When, when Paul 
<coughs> says to the Philippians, you know, you are, you are my crown. I was like, what, is, what does that mean? <laughs> you know, it, I, I really started thinking about it. You know, Paul, Paul is taking pride in them. Paul's, Paul's proud as a father seeing their child walk, seeing their child grow up, seeing their child take on responsibilities. He's, he's you know, overjoyed with that. Paul tells his, his family that his, his joy and crown, he tells them this, to stand firm thus in the Lord. You know, the, the New American Standard Bible says, says it like this, in this way stand firm. And also in the, in the New King James, it says this, to stand fast, to stand fast, to firmly remain in this position, refuse other opinions. This is what the apostle states in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 10, verse 5. Uh, go ahead and turn there with me, please. And 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. Uh, Paul is really talking about here, you know, we aren't to just tolerate others' arguments, but we are actually to show them the truth of God, uh, the truth of the God that we worship and rest in. Uh, Paul says this uh, here in Corinthians. Uh, he says, We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against, raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. And we show, we show others the truth of the Bible. And we show others the truth that humanity is lost without, without hope. And we show the truth that Jesus has come to die for sinners and to provide us a rescue if we accept him. Which means coming, coming to terms with a lot of things right there, right? You know, it means... We're not good. We're sinful. It means we actually need someone to come and pay our debt, the debt that we owe. And it means that we accept. We accept a gift, the gift of God's grace. In there, there's some destruction, right? You know, I can't make it. I can't pull my bootstraps up far enough to make it. You know, and I need a rescuer. And then to accept the gift and to walk in his way throughout this new life. You know, these, these verses right here are a daily thing. As we come in contact with the world and its ideas and desires, we, we learn to stand firm in who we are in Christ and to rest in the fact that he has made us new. And we are about working out our redemption today. You know, that we would take captive thoughts against Christ, not just for our sake, but for others' sakes as well. That is why we destroy arguments against God, to show ourselves and others that he is the safeguard we want and need. It is a call back to actually Philippians chapter 3, uh, verse 1. Uh, I'll turn back to Philippians. And uh, Paul states this to the people in Philippi. 
the, the believers in Philippi. He says, finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. You know, Paul says this, stay here. It, it's safe. Rejoice in the Lord. It's fine for Paul to remind the Philippians here. It's safe to be here. It's safe to stand here, to stand firm in the Lord, because it is where we find meaning about life, purpose beyond ourselves, and a mission to go forward in. This is where we can stay and know that we are beloved. We are beloved in Christ, which is what Paul calls the Philippians here in the end of this verse. You know, we see that Paul loved this church community for the, he saw God working in them. He lifts them up in prayer. He informs them of what is personally happening to him. And he says that he actually remains for the church. You know, he takes time to teach them and gives them examples to follow. And he encourages them in what to do in their walk and how, how to go in their walk, and who to rest in in their walk as they walk forward in the Lord. So as Paul writes more to this church full of family and saints and beloved people, he, he turns to deal with some problems that are ongoing in the church community that need to be dealt with. You know, it comes to... The family, hopefully it's not, you know, the first idea of family is fighting, right? Hopefully not. Right? But it's, you know, we know who fights well in our families, right? You know, every holiday meal there might be, you know, one or two others that kind of stand there and, and bicker about one subject or another, right? Everyone else comes and goes, Uncle Bob or Grandma so-and-so might say something, <laughs> But, you know, we, we know who that is. You know, you know most of uh, family, family life sometimes is a battle of the wills. You know, I, I think uh, it's actually what keeps us glued to our TVs, right? You know, during daytime drama or nighttime shows, we see it. We see the drama, right? We can enjoy it on TV. It's fun sometimes. You know, that's, that's why uh, even reality TV is, is so huge nowadays. We, we love the drama and we want to know and see how the Kardashians or some other family deal with it, deal with the, the drama of life, so we can know how it's done. But the culture searches in the wrong place, right? In looking for what is really real, we as a culture go the wrong way for answers. Well, when it comes to how to deal with the drama, uh, Paul addresses the church of Philippi here. Uh, let us read uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 2. It says this, I entreat Eurota and I entreat Cynthia, Cynthia, Cynthia yeah, to agree in the Lord. I knew I was going to, yeah, I tried. I, <laughs> pronunciation of Greek words is, is fun. Um, you know, but Paul speaks to these two. Uh, he speaks to two believers here. You know, as a teacher, he wants to move from the text to the context 
to applying the text to lives. You know, we as the church, as Christianity as a whole, want to seek to apply the word of God to our very, to our daily lives, to call others, to call each other, not to just read or understand the word, but to personally apply it to our lives. You know, it is the mission of a teacher or a speaker, not just to inform others of a subject, but to help others apply, to live in light of the truths found in the text, to bring the text to today's world. You know, we could ask right here, well, how does one deal with church drama? You know, I, I saw a cartoon as I was looking up how to pronounce these gals' names, and it, it had two ladies sitting there, and one was like, well, I don't know why he talked to you first, because you started it. You know, it's like, how, how do you deal with, with things like that? You know, well, Paul, he entreats to these people. He, he, he urges them. He appeals to them and exhorts these two to agree in the Lord. It's not just a one-sided thing. You know, he calls both to stand, to agree here, to start here, to come to the Lord. You know, which as a church, it's our starting place. You know, the Lord, who... <laughs> Who is he? You know, it, it answers the question. It answers a, a big question right there. Who is the Lord? You know, the Gospel of John chapter 1 uh, tells us who the Lord is if we want to turn there together. On John chapter 1, uh, verses 1 through 5. It tells us who the Lord is. It says this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. You know, this is who the Lord is. He is God come down. He is the creator of all, and in him is the life and light of all mankind. You know, as a church, we, we stand and see who the Lord is, and then we see what the Lord has done. As we turn to uh, John chapter 3, we see what the Lord has done. In John chapter 3, verse 16, and as uh, Jesus says this to Nicodemus, you know, he says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. You know, this is what the Lord has done. You know, he is God who has come down to show us the love of God. He died for our sin. And whoever believes upon him receives the free gift of eternal life. You know, in Jesus, we see who God is and what God has done. And we see all the blessings that he has poured out upon the beloved in Christ. You know, we stand in the love of Christ. And we see that even as we were still enemies, Christ died for us. You know, in the Lord, we are made new. We are, we are new creations. 
And as we believe upon him, we are clothed in his righteousness. And so we work out this theology, this information. We work it out into our lives. Agreeing in the Lord, stating this is who he is and this is what he has done. And resting in the love and forgiveness found there and applying it to life. You know, we, we don't know the, the problem or the issue here uh, in Philippi, but we can understand that it had actually been heard by Paul in Rome as he was imprisoned. It was a big enough issue to be personally dealt with in the letter from an apostle. You know, because it could. It could have been hurting the church community, you know, in, in Philippi one way or another. You know, if we think about it for a moment, minute, a moment, uh, that's the, you know, a minute and a moment is a moment, a minute, a minute, sorry. <laughs> uh, if we think about it for a moment, as we step into the first century church of Philippi, we see that there's no other church in town. You know, we, we see that there's no other denominations at that time. So first off, if there was a problem, you couldn't just move down the street. You couldn't just say, but we're, we're done here, you know, when this hurt had happened. You know, you could just stop going, but you would really want to stay, to worship the Lord. So you stay, you know, but you're just not going to talk to those people. You're just not going to talk to that one. You know, in, in this thought, in this action, you would unplug as you went. You know, the fellowship could be hurt. Outreach could be affected, and the whole community would not see or hear the good news going forward in these people's lives and hearts. You know, so no matter what the century, you know, we start by agreeing here, starting here in the Lord, that with Jesus the Messiah, because we seek and strive to live out the new creation. Now, please turn with me to to 1 Corinthians, or sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We, uh, we seek to live out who we are in Jesus. I can make it to 1 Corinthians. Uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through 21, it says this, Now therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, Christ in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And we see here that in Christ we are new. 
that God has started a good work in those in Christ. That his son's blood has brought them back to himself and has given them in Christ a mission to tell the message of reconciliation. You know, ambassadors represent the interests of a foreign nation uh, to other nations. You know, as those in the Messiah belong to the beloved, they are called out to represent his interests. And these are his interests, that humanity would be reconciled to God. For Jesus came, he took upon himself all sin and put it to death. That's why Paul now takes time to deal with this issue, no matter how big or small it was. Because if we walked into a room full of ambassadors from another nation fighting about the carpet, fighting about the music, uh, fighting about the program being put on, or the way back home, would, would we feel welcome? No? You know, and we wouldn't, we wouldn't come back. And if we were one of those ambassadors in the room, hopefully we would want to live out in the truth of what our king has done for us. You know, none of that is to say that we accept what is in, in church culture, but that as problems or issues come up, we address them and deal with them as the family we are called out to be. You know, in, in dealing with the drama of life, we can put it on TV, you know, soap operas or blue bloods, and we can, we can watch it and we can enjoy it. We can put it before courtroom judges. The drivers in Denver loved watching that when I worked there. It was Judge Judy was the stuff <laughs> but we can we can do all of that you know or we can start here we can agree in who the lord is and actually deal with the issue you know, as paul says next we come to see how the church community is to deal with the problem and paul says this in uh, verse three of chapter four you know he says this <coughs> yes I ask you, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together, with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. And so Paul personally knows of a problem between these two believers. And he asks here in this letter, can you help them deal with this? Uh, Paul asks this of the true companion uh, in the ESV. In the, in the side notes, it says uh, loyal Sarges is the closest I could get. But <laughs> now this, this person, this true companion, this loyal worker is uh, an unknown person, um, but he's actually asked to help these two ladies deal with the issue at hand. You know, uh, please turn with me to the gospel of Matthew chapter 5. But in, in dealing with the, chapter, with the issue at hand, um, Paul really entreats uh, um, loyal Sargas to, to embody this verse. Um, as Jesus says it here in the Sermon of the Mount, in Matthew chapter 5, uh, verse 9, he says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. You know, we hear this from, from the Lord, blessed, favored are, are these. You know, so as the church community who hears 
who here is children who is addressed here are, are children of God. You know, we should be about peacemaking, you know, whether it's in our communities or our churches or our schools or clubs or workplace, that we would, in this, in peacemaking, we would point to the Prince of Peace with our actions and words. So as, as this uh, Philippian is called out to, to deal with the issue at hand, uh, we can also deal with the issue at hand in the church today. But where do we go? You know, how, how do we walk through a problem in today's world? Well, in Matthew, again, Matthew chapter 18, uh, Jesus actually talks about this issue and how, how to deal with it. In Matthew 18, verses 15 through 17, uh, Jesus talks to us about what, what should happen in a church body as believers deal with one another if there's a problem. But in Matthew 18, uh, verses 15 through 17, Jesus says this. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he has not listened, take one or two others among you, along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile or tax collector. So first off, what what stands out there, if you have an issue, a a problem with someone, don't post it on social media for all to see. Don't build your case with your friends. Don't, Don't build up a posse, so to say and go get them. No, it says, go to them. Talk with them. Tell them their fault. No, here's the kicker right there. It says, you and them, period, right? You know, it's, it's, it's not our culture. You know, our culture doesn't really do that, right? You know, it's, it's getting an order from McDonald's, and instead of going in and just fixing it, it's posting a review on Facebook or calling the cops which has actually happened uh, several times. You know, as a culture, we want to compound the issue. You know, and this isn't that. Jesus says, hey, go to them and say, hey, what, what did you mean by that? Or, hey, this, this hurt my feelings. This, this happened when you said or did this. You know, it's seeking peace and forgiveness and restoration at the very start of the problem. You know, as the passage goes on in Matthew, it goes on to say if, if they don't come around, if they don't listen to you, then bring one or two others. Bring in a mediator. Bring in one who understands the issue. Bring in a, a, Sarge's, a, a true companion. That's, uh, bring in a, a person that is party to both sides. He knows both sides or they know both sides. You know, and help Help each side re, you know, reorient themselves to restoration. You know, and if this fails to reach them and resolve the issue and they refuse to listen, then it's brought before the church. Then it's brought before the community 
It shouldn't start here. It shouldn't be about, you know, anything but other than restoring the believers. You know, but if they will still not listen, then it comes to expulsion. Then it, it comes to lack of fellowship. It, you know, is about restoring still the believing body, the believing people. You know, Paul actually does this to two believers found in 1 Timothy 1.20. Uh, he does it so they will learn not to blaspheme. You know, so even as issues or problems come up in a church body today, we are to be about restoring, about forgiveness, because it's all about relationships, relationships with the Lord, relationships with each other. You know, Paul explains that, explains that these two ladies had been on mission together, uh, they had seen the call to the whole church, and they had been on it. Uh, Philippians 1.27 says this. Paul, Paul says this to the church there. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side, for the faith of the gospel. You know, they were doing this. They were working side by side with Paul, actually. They were actually co-workers, it says, and for the gospel going forward. But now, now they were off mission. Now they were off course and they needed to be reconciled with each other. You know, forgiveness needs to happen. Malice has, has no place in the church. You know, why? Why do we need to deal with issues like this and not like the world? You know, the, the world likes to you know, just slap people around and say, hey, conform, do this, be this. Well, we, on the other hand, seek transparency, transparency and transformation. You know, the, the church as a whole needs to understand that we need to deal with all in love and truth. And we need to point all to the Lord of all. That is why we deal with sin. That is why we call and entreat each other to go towards righteous living and a holy life about good works to the glory of God. You know, Paul calls these two and he calls this Philippian and, and the church to, to deal with this issue because relationships matter. You know, they matter in family, they matter at work and in church for believers because Paul has stated it at the end of the verse. Our names are written in the book of life. Our names are written there. You know, saints, believers, co-workers are written in this book because in Christ, we, as we've believed upon Jesus, we start our everlasting life. It started then. It started when we first trusted Christ. And now throughout our journey, we work it out. We walk it out. You know, in Christ, we are written into the book of life. And we are to live in the light of that truth. Because it is a truth that should greatly affect our lives. You know, as, as a church community, you know, that's, that's why we're here. You know, we're, we're here to, to read and to understand and to 
to reason together about the scriptures and to apply them to life. You know, it's encouraging it to, it's, inc- it's to encourage each other to live in the light of the truths that have been brought to light that day, that lifetime. That's what the whole Bible is about. That's practically the, the matter of why we have so many letters in the New Testament is it's informing us of our nature. It's informing us that, hey, we're sinful. We need to deal with these things. You know, it informs us of our, of our need and it informs us of the necessity of God's grace. You know, that we would go forward in it. And so we, as we close out the first three verses of chapter four, you know, we ask the question, well, what do we, what do we see here? Well, first off, we see that Paul loves the Philippian church. He's overjoyed for the Philippian church. You know, we see Paul take time to talk to the church to deal with these issues or issue between these two believers. And he wants the church to help them resolve it with forgiveness and restitution. And so what does all this mean? You know, why, why does that matter? Well, it, it matters because we should seek leaders like Paul. We should seek leaders that want the best for us, you know, it, it, uh, that are about pointing us to Jesus. And it is about encouraging the body of believers and treating those believers to live in the light given. It means that we should deal with our issues and problems in the Lord, starting there, agreeing in the Lord, and to help others and ourselves stay on mission. So how do we apply it? How do we apply it today? Well, we should be a family. And we should, as families go, fight, but also restore, also go forward. And we are a household for God's glory. And as such, we are overjoyed to see each other walking in that light. But we also call out to the church to walk better, to work on this or that. You know, it, it's, it's crazy because he's, I love and long for you. I, you're my crown and joy. By the way, deal with this issue. It, so it's, it goes hand in hand. We, we are overjoyed. We love. And yet, hey, we need to work on this together, brother. You know, so we can go forward for God as brothers and sisters in Christ. Let's uh, close our time together in prayer. Father God, we, we thank you. Thank you for your word and your will. Lord, as, as life happens, as issues and problems come, that we would, we would seek your face, that we would agree in who the Lord is and what the Lord has done, that we would go forward together as a family to live life for Christ together. And thank you. Thank you for the book of Philippians. Thank you for your word given to us, Lord, to, to show us who you are and what you have done. And Father, I just pray um, as the day goes on, as the, the next week starts, that you would, you would help us be aware and, and mindful of your, your mission, whether that's at, at school or work or even at home, and, and that we would be about your will and way in this, in this 
day, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.